All right. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about God. We talk a lot about the arguments that people make against God and how clever they think they are. Uh, we, we talk about, of course, the dangers of atheism. Um, and, and there are many, many things that we're seeing in our cultural uh, lives right now, in society and otherwise, you know, talking about gay marriage, you're talking about the transgender movements, we talk about homelessness, we talk about uh, a new law came down recently, by the way, where, it, at least in California, that if you knowingly have sex with somebody and you know that, that you're exposing them to HIV, that's no longer a felony. In the old days, you know, not so long ago, that was that was attempted murder that, that rose to the level. So you have to ask for consent at every stage. A kiss, a squeeze, a grope, a penetration, right. a, a finishing magic moment, etc. in Africa. But you can give them AIDS without yeah. warning. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> what a wonderful state. Right. It, it's, it's almost like a... We should have had this game where we're like, on the one hand, X, and, and you know, you just keep on going with the liberal mindset, right? Yeah. <laughs> on the one hand, they say, like, for example, uh, you should have uh, totally free access to drugs, right? Drugs should be legal because we can't control the war on drugs, right? Yeah. You know, but on the other hand, you could totally control guns, right? Right. That is, is they're totally jiggy with, even though there's no way you can control guns. Yeah, so, and also, but that's we talked about before, you know, just another one that comes to mind really quickly. Yeah. Like, we're going to make, we're going to regulate bags and straws, and God knows what else, styrofoam containers, etc. But we're not going to do anything about the homeless dumping of garbage yeah. anywhere. No, yeah, no problem. I mean, you're seeing that everywhere. So, I, I, uh, it's so frustrating. It goes on and on. It, it, it's, it's a funny show. But it, yeah. it really is yeah. fun to do that. We should do a whole show just about that. How about this? But no, no, no. You right. know, on the one hand, this. On the other hand, that. Okay. But but you brought up a topic that I really like, and I think we should explore. And it, it, because I think part of the reason why we had this cacophony of and and contradiction uh, that that is constantly attacking uh, these distinctions that we're talking about with the the drugs on the one hand and the guns on the other and. It's just this lack of direction. It's we, we have an aimless society, an aimless culture, and it's aimless because there's no God, right? This is, I mean, look, I don't want to be the one solution Charlie, as that I, I often call uh, the liberals, but yeah, you know what? You have God in your lives, and somehow good things happen. Right? Yeah, a lot of things orient to true north immediately right. with that touchstone, right. and when it's removed. Uh, uh, yeah, Here's an easy way to look at it. You, you have the solar system. We all studied the solar system when we were young. And we know that the, the sun is the gravitational pull that keeps the planets in line. You, you take away the sun. Imagine a big hand, of course, taking away the sun from that picture. Are you going to see that the, the, the planets continue, in, continue on on their various orbits? Yeah, of will the not. patterns stay the same? No, no of course yeah, not. They'll, they'll quickly, I mean, almost immediately fall apart. Um, that's the difference. They, they will immediately go <laughs> into the dark reaches of space in their own different directions, depending on where, where, when you took the sun away from uh, the picture. But that's the way it is when you take God out of the picture. When you take God out of the picture, your, your society starts drifting apart. And that's why the analogy, I think, and the, the metaphor, if you want, um, is really so perfect. It all starts flying away from us. Our senses of, our, our notions of integrity, our notions of uh, truth, of freedom and, demo and democracy, our notion of science, for that matter, our, notice, our notion of, of hard work. Anything that you value 
there is no point to it. It, it flies away. And uh, this is the concern that you have and, and that I have. You said something very interesting, which is when we sin, when we do things that are off the mark, we know that uh, this God would not be jiggy with, with whatever it might be. Let's say you decide to tell a lie, and not, and not just you know, a white lie, which is designed to make somebody feel better, but a real lie, or you still steal money from your employer, or whatever it might be. Um, you, you gossip and so on. You, you said a really nice way of looking at it is that this is a form of godlessness. Yeah, little acts of atheism. Little acts. And we're talking yeah. in this example, for a little more context, I'm talking about when, a, when someone who actually believes in it, uh, believes in God. I, we're talking a little bit about a distinction. Oh, 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 another distinction. There are a lot of people who say they believe in God. Right. And, and this is a challenge to all of us every moment and to all the listeners and anyone who might hear this. Uh, do you really believe in God mm-hmm. or do you just say you do? Yeah. And then let's just say you really believe in God. Could it be that every act that deviates from what God would want you to do is an act of atheism? And I pose it to you uh, as Jews who go to uh, a synagogue in Yom Kippur to atone for the moments that we weren't acting in accordance with what God commanded. Those little moments or big moments of sin with which we must seek atonement are acts of atheism in essence. That's right. Well, look, and what I what really intrigued me about your concept, because you brought up, I think we brought up together, this notion of these people that are either are spiritual nature or who don't really know very much about the Torah or they, you know, in fact, you don't really have to know too much about the Torah, but they just don't live godly lives. They don't think in terms of, is this what God would want from me? And they figure, well, I'll just go to synagogue, I'll go to church, as the case may be, and, you know, things will be okay. Right, it's like taking a shower, a spiritual shower, yeah, yeah, exactly. once or twice a week, the once same a... way you bathe once or twice oh, like a day that. to get like the dirt and the smell off, and, yeah. okay, now I'm good. That's the way they think of it. Yeah. And these are people that are, you know, they, they say they believe in God, and they might actually believe in God, but only because they... They're told to believe in God, or they do believe in God, but not in a serious way. And they like that word believe, because by believing it, it leaves them room to say, well, maybe there is no God, right? Yes. By definition. So, but here's the funny thing. Either God is in everything, or he is in nothing. Or as my uh, good rabbi friend, uh, Brandon Gaines, puts it, and I think he's quoting from Einstein, either everything is a miracle or nothing is. And I subscribe to the former, meaning that everything is a miracle. Everything was created by God. There's, there's no in between. That's, the, that's a just purely logical point of view. If you believe that there's a creator, then everything is a miracle. Because everything's right? been created. Yeah. yeah. Even if you believe in, you know, look, he, he created the universe and the world, and maybe even and, and life, of course. But then he kind of sat back and let things kind of ride, as it were. Let's see where it goes, sort of thing. But even that, you would still say, that's everything. It is still a miracle, right? I mean, I, I think that if I were to suddenly create, I don't know, uh, you know, a, a, a talking llama. I, I don't know why I came up with that. A talking llama, and he had three heads. Okay, and then the, the, the talking llama ran around and and kind of knocked things over. The fact that he's knocking things over has nothing to do with the fact that he's. It's a it's a miracle. 
that I just created, this, this monster of a three-headed llama, and, and talking no less, right? But that's, that's kind of the way it is. God is in everything or he's in nothing. And you have to understand that. You, you, like, I don't know, it's like, uh, it's like being confused on, on whether you're watching a movie or you're outside of the movie, right? When we're watching a movie, let's say it's Star Wars, for example, we, we see the movie from start to finish. We don't pull ourselves out of it and say we're not in this movie, going back and forth, back and forth, right? We don't do that. But somehow in life, we do do that. We say, okay, well, we're going to see this movie called God for a little bit, and then, uh, you know, five minutes at a time, and kind of come back into so-called reality, and then kind of come back to it. But no, the, the, the movie's always playing. This God movie is always playing. God is always in charge. And, and if, you, if you really believe in God, if you really believe in God with a capital R, then you know that there's a God. So what would happen, and, and I guess that's the question, the ultimate question, if you study God enough, and you do the logic associated with God, and you figure out the probabilities and the likelihood that, that a world could happen as randomly, you know, randomly and, and create all the beauty that we have and the perfection that we have. Let's say you go through all that and you realize, you know what, there's got to be a God. In fact, I, I know that there's a God. Simply yeah, you by, go from believing to convince. No, yeah. So now you, you, you've done that logical process. Now you know, you know what, it's got to be. I mean, just like in the same way that you, you see some streaks in the sky and you logically conclude that an airplane was there. Right? We, we use that in law, by the way. That's, it's deduction, right? The classic, it's circumstantial evidence, but nevertheless, from that circumstantial evidence, you can determine that there was a plane there in that particular area of the sky. Uh, and so, likewise, you have this notion, you, you figure this out. Now, now what? Now what do you do with it? Right? You, you know it, that there is a God. Doesn't that mean, that does that alter your entire Worldview, and in fact, universe view, if you want, how that, that just totally changes you. Yeah, and if it doesn't, if it weren't, what does that mean, too? Right. Because if it, if it doesn't, that means you're not really convinced. Now, are you? Yeah. Because it's like one of those things. Uh, think about um, another example. Uh, think about if you're married and you catch your wife in bed with um, another person, right, of your gender, doing things that only you should be doing. <laughs> How can you preserve, without mentioning the act to her, and she knows you saw it, how can your relationship be the same tomorrow? Right. Exactly the same. It can't. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Unless you're completely deluding yourself. So now you know, and you, you've, you've reached this incredible epiphany, right? Some, somewhat like uh, when Oppenheimer, dis Oppenheimer discovered the, the secrets to the bomb and realized that he could actually make a bomb, and, and there it was. It was detonated. And what did he say? He said, I have become something. I mean, he realized... Well, I think he said, like, my God, what have we done? Or some, Worse to that effect, uh, yeah. but uh, I have become the whatever. So, it, But the point is that he saw that the world was going to change. It was a nuclear age all of a sudden that we had entered into. And everything was going to change. The way we perceive the world. Likewise, if you want, the way we perceive the solar system when we learned that the Earth was, in fact, rotating around the sun, not vice versa. You know, likewise, when we realized the Big Bang, which I think is a much bigger deal than, than the Earth going around the sun. Uh, or that we're in a galaxy. And not just that, but there are 
billions and billions and probably trillions of other galaxies in the universe. And that the universe, all these things have incredible implications. They impact us. But shouldn't the reality of God, when you discover the reality of God through all your, your deductions, and I think anybody who is serious, they should know that there's a God. Then, then it must alter your entire landscape. I mean, what, what do you do with that? At that point, what do you do? Yeah, and by that you mean alter your day-in-day behavior. Right. Yeah. And, and we're all human and weak and flawed. So we're let's say— well, and, But I want to go back to your example. Well, I, I want to make a point that and God did create this holiday called Yom Kippur for this very reason. Right. So he did consider that. Yeah. Amazingly enough, right? Right. So we're not saying to people, hey, you have to, you know, make sure you don't deviate at all. I mean, we're all gonna, in hopefully just small ways. But how do you go on the same way knowing this? And does this not rededicate you to a certain level of right. of connection to God in most of your acts, if possible? Yeah. Well, okay, so, so but I want to get back to what you're saying, like, like, when you, you you gave the example of a, a woman discovering her husband uh, with a with another woman, or vice versa, right? And it, it you can't erase that from your mind. You can't say that didn't happen. That alters the landscape. It alters the way you perceive your spouse, and you might very well get divorced. Or even if you don't get divorced, it's going to radically change your relationship. It will be a date that you remember, and from thence going forward. You are, have to deal with it one way or the other. Now I don't know if it's a perfect analogy because it's uh, well, it's, I mean, it's it's just a common everything changed now. Right, right, exactly. Example. So you you now realize that there's a God. Okay, so then you also have to say, okay, great, there's a God. I get that. Now what I would do with what do I do with this? And then you you conclude that this God must expect something out of me. He has a purpose for me. And, and, and not only that, but I'm confident that there is an accountability going on, too. That a world without a God that demands right and wrong and will, will, will hold you to account for doing wrong uh, is a world I don't want to be in, right? I, I don't, as Dennis Prager says, he doesn't, he doesn't want to perceive a world where Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler end up in the same place. In, in terms of heaven, right? That, that doesn't make sense to him. And yeah. it doesn't make sense oh, to me either. Oh, we'll be forgiven. Uh, no, we no, don't want that. That would so, be bad. Right. So so now you know this stuff. How does it affect your day-to-day life? I can tell you how it affects mine. Because I am so certain that there is a creator. And I believe that that creator is the, the God of the Bible. Notice how I, I said, know the creator. I believe that that creator is the Bible. But either way, I know that there is an accountability, a reckoning, and so forth. And so I know what it does to me. And yes, I have those moments where I lose my temper. I use choice language. Um, I, you know, maybe I look at somebody the wrong way, um, you know, with malintent or maybe too lustful or whatever it might be. A middle right? finger gets used to traffic. Yeah, you know. sure. Sure. Yeah. But here's the difference. I know what I'm doing is wrong. And it's a learning moment. I pull back right away. And, you know, by the way, and I, I will say it here on the radio, there was a confrontation I had on the traffic, and this uh, this person, I don't know if it was a man or woman, was right behind me. She cut me off. She, you know, she was wrong. But it, doesn't, it, it almost doesn't matter at this point. I look at my rearview mirror, 
and I see her with two double middle fingers at me. You know, she's sure is angry, you know, and she's obviously in a hurry to get to her work, I suppose. And she, um, and I see her, and I just kind of do the one middle finger, you know, lifting up my finger out the uh, driver's side window. And not only that, but very shortly thereafter, there was a, uh, there's a situation where I just, I could have a green light, I could take it, I just kind of slow down, and I stop, and I, I let her fume <laughs> right behind me. And, uh, and then eventually, I take my right, and she continues on, or he continues on, uh, his or her merry way. And, you know, they, they, that, this person just, you know, honked on the horn as they passed by. So, you know, I, don't, I didn't think my kids saw any of this, but nevertheless, they said, why did you do that, Daddy? <laughs> right? So I said, you know what? It was not the right thing to do at the end of the day. Um, I, I think that this person, I, I thought it was a he, he was, uh, was wrong to do what he did, and, uh, but nevertheless, I'm only human. And uh, no one got hurt in the process. You know, I wasn't about to get out of the car and, and engage in road rage. But very quickly, the point is that I was able to see the, that the God would not like this interaction. And I, I saw it as such. If I did not believe in God or believed in God very tepidly, like maybe he's there, maybe he's not there, I could pretend to myself he's not there, because you always have that, right? Then I would view the whole situation as, hey, you know, this is a confrontation, tough luck for him, I hope he crashes. Yeah. Serves him right. He's not backing down, why should I back down? Exactly. You know, it's a, a sausage right. com- com- comparison contest. Right. I win, you know, or whatever right. in your mind. And, and likewise, and when, you, when you have a... Um, when you use choice words, I said that phrase, uh, you swear uh, during an argument, maybe your temper has flared and you let yourself, uh, you let out uh, some, some choice words and you say some regrettable words. You know, hopefully what you get to say is, listen, I lost my temper. I, I think you said some words that were not right, but you know what? I take responsibility for my own words. I wish I hadn't said that. I'm sorry. Right? Uh, that's good. And it, it hurts. It's hard to do that, but it's an accountable thing. That's the that's that's what I what I love about believing in God, knowing that there's a God, is that I am exercising my free will at the same time. It's 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 a beautiful uh, dynamic when you think about it. Here's something that that's kind of related to what we've been talking about, Ari. I have noticed time and time again that when I deal with atheists or people who are very uh, suspect of the notion of God, and generally speaking, they're atheists. They think they're very clever, as always. They, they're the super, they're, they're the brightest people in the room. Of course, they're right? fooling God. Yeah, no, no, they must no be issue. really smart. Well, but they, they're not fooling anybody because there is no God. You of know. course, yeah. you're you're the yeah. fool for believing in such nonsense. So I said, I always say this. Let me let me help you. Tell me if I'm going wrong in the description of why you don't believe in God. Science will find the answers. God is the God of the gaps. Those things we don't know. Correct? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, you got it, Mr. Lurie. And um, there's uh, this whole thing about believing in God is designed solely so that I can feel comfortable from the big bad universe, mean and cruel as it may be, disorganized. And what I'm doing for myself, I'm lying to myself that there is some sort of structure going on. And that if only I act, behave in good ways, I will be rewarded in heaven. And that's the only reason why I'm doing it, so that I I can go to heaven one day, don't you know? And that they, they nod their heads. So I'm just being lazy, right? I'm just kind of like, I'm choosing the easy way out. And yeah, that's right. 
and they're, and you're the ones dealing with the hard facts, right? And I say, except that you guys, you, the atheist, is actually the very lazy one. You're the one who doesn't have any accountability. Well, what are you talking about? Well, I just said it. In a world without God, there is no accountability. You, you want to lie to somebody? Go ahead. Nobody's watching you. You want to uh, uh, abuse women? Uh, go ahead. No, who's watching you? And, and, and not even abuse women. Just kind of sleep around as much as possible. Tell them little lies. No, so it's that a form of abuse. It's yeah. a form We're of not abuse. talking about physical abuse yeah. here, but you know. yeah, you're, you're, you're you know, relational abuse. Relational abuse, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and you you could take money here. You can convince yourself, you know, that's a big bad corporation. Let's say you steal from Target or from uh, any other big organization. You walk into the store, steal some merchandise, and you you convince yourself, listen, I need it. What's the big whoop, right? They won't miss it. It's a it's a rounding error for them at best. Not even that. And uh, there's no accountability for that. But for us, we're the ones with the accountability. So perhaps we're the ones who are working harder than you. We're the ones who are living by a code. My favorite one is where they say, well, why can't we have a code without God? Uh, yeah, you can. But good luck. Because that code is, is ever-changing. What if you don't like the code? Right? And you say, there's no God. There's no absolute um, it may make sense for me not to kill, but you know what? Under cer- certain circumstances, I just might want to. Or forget about killing, because m- many people can't even don't even have the, the ability to think of themselves as killing. That, well, that's a good thing, right? But many people are able to lie. Most people have lied in their lives sometimes. Most people have gossiped in their lives, at least sometimes. And then, and either they regret it or they don't, or they fix it or they don't. But I always give the example. Mr. Brown in my book, you know, he's he's up for the promotion, and so am I. I'm a little bit older than Mr. Brown, and uh, I um, I've got three kids, and I want to uh, get this promotion. If I don't get this promotion, I'll never get any promotion. I'll be too old for whatever reason, and uh, I and I need that pay raise that goes with that promotion. And I might even be fired, and I'll never be rehired again. Okay, that's that's my reality. I know that in my mind. Okay, but Mr. Brown over here, well, he's younger than me. Yeah, he's more agile. Yeah, he's more. Uh, he, he might seem to be more organized and such, but I don't know if he is. But you know what? I've got three kids, and not only that, but I've got I've, I've got some gambling debts. <laughs> I really need to pay those off. All right, or Guido is gonna break my legs. I wish I hadn't didn't have these gambling gets, but there it is, okay? I've got to do something about Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown's in my way. If I get rid of him one way or the other, I get that promotion. He doesn't. Mr. Brown doesn't have any kids. What's the harm? Not in me killing him, although that's part of my argument. Why not kill him? But I don't even have to do that. Why don't I just Photoshop some uh, photographs of him with uh, young boys, okay? How about that? And then somehow place it in the right places on the internet or whatever. whatever. And uh, lo and behold, the employer finds out about it. He fires Mr. Brown. And before anyone can do anything about it or, or before he can protest anything about it, he's already out in the street with his banker's box of, a box of, uh, of, of things that he left in the office. What's wrong with that? Why wouldn't I do that? That's my reality, right? That's my logic. It's perfectly acceptable to do that. 
Now, in a world with God, you would never do that. That's, it's accountable. You know that God is watching this whole transaction. But without God there, well, who's to say that that moral code is, is, without is not right? Without God there, you'd be stupid not to. Mm-hmm. Honestly. That's right. That's right. I've got my kids. Got to feed my kids, right? There's a whole bunch of justification. Well, even, even more simply than that, with God not there, whether it's Brown or someone else, if you're not doing it to Brown... Brown or someone else doing it to oh, you. Oh, yes. Yeah, get them before they get you. Of course. That's right. You can point. even say, I'm an atheist, but I believe that part of the Bible, it says if someone's going to kill you, you wake up before them, kill them first. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah, the cafeteria. The of the Phyllis. Cafeteria yeah. uh, religious But ideology. I don't believe in God. No. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's the thing. This is the danger of, you know, for those of you who kind of wonder if there's a God or they want to believe there's a God, which is nice. I get that. If you want to believe that there's a God, then I urge you to go much further and figure out that there's a God. The first mitzvah is to know that there is a God. Okay, go out and study it. It doesn't tell you, you shall believe and be blind about it and be, you know, numb your brain about it. On the contrary, it, it expects you to go out there and study and find out that there is a God. Yeah, and constantly look for verification. Yep. Look for the signs. Look for... Yeah. The verification so, to go beyond belief. Right. So far from numbing our brains, far from deluding ourselves, it actually expects you to figure this out yourself. Right. Which I just, I mean, I'm just in love with that mitzvah. Right. right? And think about this. If God is the antidote for tyranny and tyr- tyrants need the adherents to be cult-like in their following. Little, as we talked about last week, zombies. Yes, master. Right. Whatever you say, master. Uh, right. Kim Jong-un, that, yes. That's the yeah. way they think of you. Right. That's right. They, the, the atheists think that's how we think about God, and that's how we go through life. Au contraire, mon mm. enemy. <laughs> we we uh, think of it, you know, we're constantly looking for our verification, re-verification, trust but verify, recheck it twice, look it up on Snopes. You know what I mean? We're, well, we're always re-Googling it. That's right. And, and, and we're not taking government's word for things either. We're not taking corporations' word for things either. Right. We're, we're skeptical in all things. Right. And that's why, interestingly, the religious are so skeptical of the whole global global warming, uh, you know, um, what scam. It, scam. Uh, yeah, yeah, scam. That, that's exactly what it is. Um, because they, they're adding up the numbers in this. That doesn't make any sense at all. And in order for global warming to work, everyone has to be acting in the most pristine you know, uh, agenda-oriented way with, with searching only for the perfect truth. And, of course, the, the programming itself uh, in the computer, the, the computer modeling must be, of course, without any bias whatsoever and so many other things that we talked about already. So it's very easy for anybody who has faith in God to understand that dog don't hunt because they've been busy proving to themselves the existence of God, right, and, and also doubting themselves and doubting makes them stronger, Doubting strong, doubting belief, doubting belief, doubting belief, and so that the the atheist who rarely has any doubt, no doubt at all. Yeah, most None. most atheists. I mean, every atheist I've, I've spoken to uh, has said, as long as they identify themselves as an atheist, if I say to them, "Do you ever doubt that there may, in fact, be a God?" Then they'll say, well, "Oh, what a brilliant!" Yeah, right. Yeah. So, well, I mean, look, it's not my. No, my it's own an thing. obvious but brilliant point to ask, Bill Maher. Are you? Do you ever doubt your atheism? Right. Do you ever have to search for verification? But, let, but let's let me yeah. get to, let me get to this because it, it, then they, then they ultimately have to say, "Well, 
they should say that this, but if they don't say that, then they're really agnostic, if they really have these questions. So um, wh where was I going with this? We were talking before. Doubting their atheism and uh, asking them the question, do you ever doubt your atheism? Yeah, I know. And you were talking about the process they need to go through. Yes, okay, so, so we, uh, you know, we're skeptical. We're far more skeptical. That's, it's in our system. So the way I got to God was because I looked at these numbers, the probabilities, the probabilities, the probability. What are the odds? What are the odds? And it was just so obscene to me that it became so clear. And I kept on kind of challenging my old assumptions, and I realized, boy, that was I was really wrong on this. And and I the history is wrong also. And atheism has provided nothing to society, and religion has provided everything to society. And so I go, and now I'm a champion for Christianity and Judaism. And I, and I love that I am such a champion of that. I, I want Christians to have more children, by the way. Go out, go out and, and, and multiply, please. We need more Christians. Uh, but also be proud of, of your history. So that commandment of, of finding out and figuring things out for yourself, that is hard work, right? I mean, think about that. It's, it's, not, I mean, it's like me telling my son, you know, um, go figure out calculus, Right? I can't, I'm not going to yeah, teach you. Dad, you I'm figure six. it out. <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. I don't care. We'll figure out age appropriate, of course. Right. But, but you know, son, I want you to learn calculus. I'm not going to teach you it. Here, here's some books if you want to learn it yourself. But figure out why it works the way it is. Figure out, by the way, y equals mc squared. I want you to figure that out. Okay? We, we know the end, but you figure that out now. Right. My right. answer is because Einstein told me so and God told him. Right. So, <laughs> exactly you know, right. I'm not... <laughs> No, but basically things like, for example, gravity. Gravity is a great example. Right. So Newton looks at, uh, you know, the classic tale. I don't, you know, whether it's a fable or not is, is a different story. It doesn't matter. He studied gravity, and he understood that it was a force, that there was a scientific force to it. And he applied some mathematical rules to it. And in the process, he learned by observing. And the same thing should be done when it comes to, I mean, it's the ultimate question, right? You can learn all day long about electrons and atoms and fusion and fission and uh, chemistry and biology and how the heart works and all the cool things, maybe in the orbits of the planets and such. But don't you think the ultimate question is whether there's a creator or not? So how do you get to that? And, and I think it's, it's so, once you actually set yourself on that path to figure that out, the 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 obvious answers the obvious questions come to you and the answers to those obvious questions come even faster because all you need to ask is what are the odds that this would all happen randomly that's it and then you're on your merry way so and that's how i came to it but the but that takes work and that's what i'm saying like when you when you want to believe but you don't really kind of delve into it it's a lot easier you and i we did the work we really want to know this and so we're on the other side of that. And I feel like uh, Einstein, not, not that I'm as brilliant as Einstein, but, you know, somebody says to me, you know, he, he writes E equals MC squared. After, you know, 20 years of figuring it out, he finally gets to E equals MC squared. And then uh, some, you know, jackass on the street says, well, why should that be so? Right? I know, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, Einstein would say to him, well, that's what it is. I mean, here it is, all these things. And now we're observing it. And this equation fits. It makes it explains everything that we're seeing, at least from a law of relativity point of view, mass and energy, and how they relate to each other. Well, I don't know, <laughs> this guy says, but you can, you can imagine the frustration that Einstein would have. What with him having done the work, but somebody who doesn't care to do the work, 
he, you know, gets to challenge Einstein and says, I don't know. That's all funny, funny stuff to me. You with me on this? Do you understand? Anyway, so yeah, I, that's the hard work that they, they don't do. And once you figure this out, once you figure out that there's a creator, then other things start flowing. Yeah, and, and that's you, where the fun begins, by the right, way. Right, because then you're beyond the big slog of arguments and right. research and doubt and verification. And right. you're now in the God space where all observable observable miracles kind of you know float in the ether. Right. It's much easier to see them. You know, take take whatever you find to be fascinating. For example, I, I love French, right? That, that's the language that somehow resonated to me. Yeah, and I love the weather page. You love that's, the, a, yeah. that's a joke. That's that an inside joke. Yeah. Yes. So, but but you know, every one of us, I think, has some sort of like thing that fascinates them for whatever reason. Maybe you like uh, mountain biking, as that's one of the things I like. And let, let's say let's use mountain biking just for fun. And you start getting into it. You like the way it, it feels to ride, and then you really get into it, right? You you look at the parts, and you get your mountain biking magazines and everything else, and then you see you go to the different trade shows for mountain biking, and as you get to be an expert in this, you just enjoy all the little parts of it, right? You enjoy the machinations of how the suspension works and everything else. And and every new day, you want to discover something new about mountain biking. It's a hobby, I get it. But nevertheless, it, it brings excitement to your life. Isn't it the same thing? In fact, all the more so when you're thinking about God. When you discover that there is a God and you know that there's a God, then you get to ask the question, hey, is that God the same God as the God of the Bible, right? And then you say, what would it take for it to be the same God of the God of the Bible? And you can parse that apart. And then you begin to see other things, like the dip, like we talk about the differences between animals and humans, right? Why is there a difference? What are those differences? You, you wouldn't ask that question if you're an atheist. No atheist that I know has ever really pondered these, these yeah, questions. Yeah, they just say that's another creature on this. Yeah, we're, we're more sophisticated. We have a greater, greater yeah, brain that's, capacity. That's, that's about it. That's where you get that Colonel Sanders is engaging in the Holocaust of 6,000 chickens yeah, never again. That's right. It's, it's that they kind of mix yeah, it all chickens, up together. The species you know, that, that root and scratch for bugs and grubs are as equal as human beings that wrote Shakespeare and constructed right. a magnificent piece of architecture. Right, but what Chicken, I'm saying, human, same. But right? what I'm saying is that you, you discover different things and you say, ah, there's God in that too. Yes. Like free will, that, that the most obvious thing. So why do we yearn for freedom? Atheists don't ask that question. They just say, well, freedom is a logical thing. It's a human condition. We strive for freedom and that's a, it's probably, there's probably an evolutionary thing for it, but they don't really delve deeply into right. it. Right. And it's all platypisms. Oh, yeah. freedom? My body, my choice. Stay out of my yeah. bedroom. Yeah. Platitudes. Uh, I want Obamacare, uh-huh. though. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're 100% and, and they, right. And they, uh, the, uh, the interesting thing is also is we see these uh, contradictions. Uh, let me introduce yeah. you just for a second because I want to stay on topic for a second. One of the most amazing things, of course, is the, the, the miracle of fertilization and life. Right when you think about it, and there's like a little flash. We now know there's a little flash of light. No one can explain it. A little bang. A little bang, if you will. And then, and how a heart beats. Nobody knows how the heartbeat goes. It just happens one day, and they can't explain it. It, they, they, it just like a life just goes. Some, somehow something breathes into it for whatever reason. But we get to enjoy that. We get to say, could it be that there's a creator involved in this process? Because science is certainly not explaining it. And then we, so we ask that question, like. And, and then, of course, it leads to the abortion question, like, how can anyone do this? You know, and how can you make this distinction between 
you know, 30 days versus the 31st day or the, the 60th or the 90th day or whatever, whatever their, um, uh, you know, uh, litmus test is, their deadline is for uh, um, viability. You know, and, and then you ask other questions, like we talked about free will, like we talked about the, the notion of music and, and beauty and such. These questions are not questions that atheists ask. They don't, they're not interested in that question. But you and I would be. We, we want to know, for example, why we even have the me within us. That interests me, right? But if you're an atheist, that's a question that con- contradicts your whole worldview, Right, and thus it must be beyond that Chinese wall, that firewall that you've erected to keep God out. I like that. I like that. Yeah, uh, and and that's why I was getting to is you know the the opening up of all of these amazing notions and details, like you were talking about in your hobby example, that only exists in the I'm now convinced that God is here space, right? And I've decided to be with Him, right? I mean, how, how cool is it when, when you? I mean, let's go back to French, for example, or any language that you might love. I love French, and I love discovering the cool things about French. I, I will describe, you know, I, like the word indefatigable, for example, that we have in English. I know that it comes from the French word fatigué, which means tired. So indefatigable means unable to make tired. You know, all right, David, you're so full of energy. You're indefatigable. So I, I, I know it right away, but I see the little, the, the little joys in, my, in French, but I would not know that if I only knew, you know, like ça va or oui or como ça va, right? I, I wouldn't. Yeah, in some right? ways, I mean, the so, little joys are better than just the big joy of, yeah. oh, I speak this. It's these little details. Right, that but, and they all come at you. It's, yeah. So you've accepted God. You're, you're speaking the language of God, so to speak, you're, and you're, you're embracing more and more information that proves even more. How cool is this? How could that have happened with it just randomly? That question that you have to ask constantly you know, why are things just so? It's neat. It's totally fun, too. And in just the same way that you might, if you walk on a beach, so to speak, and, and you see a dune buggy, and you've never seen a, a car before, ever, right? All you've ever known as horses at best. And you see a dune buggy, right, with a very sophisticated bells and whistles. What would you do? You would put, of course, the horse to the side, and you would just study it. Right, like 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 those uh, apes in the movie 2001. They see this, you know, the monolith. But but even all the more so when they see something as sophisticated as a dune buggy. They check out the tires. Why are the grooves so perfect? You know, and there's there's, there's an engine. We know it is an engine, but they don't know what what the hell it is, and they don't know how it operates. They and they have buttons, and there's a windshield wiper, and all those things. And it, but you would want to study it. You would want to take it apart. Look look at everything. But that's but one thing you would understand is something designed this at the very least. And that's what makes it so cool. That's what makes it so fun. And in the process, we also understand the entire time that we're thinking about it, that this creator is expecting something from us, right? Now he's given you enough information to figure out that he's there. And now the question is, what else do you want from Yeah, And the other interesting thing about posing it that way is imagine changing the, the posing of that question slightly. What does he want from us? Imagine saying it as, and what has he invited us to do to participate in his grand plan? Right. What an opportunity. The creator of the universe itself right. has created you, placed you in the universe he's created, and invited you to figure out... With his help and guidance, what you can do to be part of it. Yeah. 
and people crap on this, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, so it becomes right. for us the believer it becomes preposterous. Yeah, and, yeah. and in some way, and think about this: you wrote this book, right? So what if the what if, let's find, name something obvious that's endlessly fascinating for you? Atheism, right? It's endlessly fascinating. It is. What makes these people tick? Right. I, it, it, Who took away their brains? Right, and the, the joy I have is that I have been an atheist, right? As we talked about before, I know all the little nooks and crannies. I remember looking at, I, I, there was a partner in my old firm, a Mormon a partner, LDS Church. And I was a very devout atheist at the time. And I think to myself, hmm, this guy is so bright. And yet at the same time, he dulls his senses, he, you know, he can never be that bright, right? Because he's willing to surrender his mind to this, this nothing thing called God. It's a fantasy. It's a unicorn in the sky, as like a lot of atheists like to mock uh, believers. And so, if he's willing to do that, well, then he's willing to believe any crap, any nonsense. So you could tell him anything. You can con him into anything. But the funny thing is, the, the exact reverse is true. That the believer is far more cynical. And the believer is far more um, desirous of figuring the, out the way things work. And he loves science because science gets him closer to God. And, and the atheist doesn't understand. He, he loves to think that we are not people of science, that he separates the two of them. But in fact, we love science because it shows us all the more that there's a God. And they don't get that. They never have gotten that. So, but... But I think the ultimate reason why an atheist is an atheist, Ari, is what we all started off with in the very beginning, which is it allows them not to be accountable. That's, that's the great lazy uh, approach that the atheist embraces. He loves it. Well, I, I, gosh, I wish we could all be atheists. That, that would be great. We just tell ourselves that there is no God, right? And uh, the only punishment, of course, is, is your sense that you'll become nothing. It won't even have any self-awareness once you die, but by golly, while you're on the planet, let's let's have it. Let's you know lap it up. We're yeah. kids in a candy store, right? Right. Other, That's other, what we are, kids in a candy store. Yeah. Other than making sure they bury you in a fireproof suit just in case. <laughs> right. Well, there is no party. just in case. There is no just in case. Right. There's no okay. just in case either. Yeah. So and and they'll cremate themselves or whatever. They don't even care at that point. You know, they don't want anyone to even mourn their loss for that matter if you're a true atheist. Yeah. But, but that's that's the thing. I I I love this topic so much because they they just don't want to be accountable. At the end of the day, why, I can't blame them. It's hard work. Scary. To be accountable, it's it's scary. scary. It's, it, We're talking about eternity here. Yeah, and 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 every atheist who does become a believer, and there are many of them. Thank goodness, right? About fifty percent of atheists ultimately become believers. So that's a very high percentage. I'm glad to yeah. to report. Well, that's because but, there's things like heart attacks and cancer to help them find it. Right? <laughs> For whatever reason, however yeah. they get there. But but Anthony Flew, who who discovered God when he was eighty or eighty two, I think. Uh, he didn't have a heart attack or anything, or maybe he was simply seeing, you know, that, that he was getting close to death and decided maybe that's what you could be cynical about. But he wrote a fantastic book, Why There Is a God. He completely flipped himself on it. What happens when an atheist, the normal atheist, not necessarily somebody who's a famous atheist like Anthony Flew was, what happens when they say, oh, crap, there really is a God, <laughs> Right. There's only one thing that happens. He begins to think his whole worldview changes, just like the the, the example of the um, the woman who discovers her her husband with another woman. 
uh, oh, better yet, with another man. <laughs> and and it, her whole worldview, her whole understanding of the way things are, are completely different, right? Yeah, that, that one will really change. Yeah, that. for sure. Yeah. So now uh, you've discovered there's a God, and now you just you look at the sky differently. You look at buildings differently. You look at your dog differently. You look at yourself differently. You look at your children differently. Yeah, it's funny. You look at the mundane things, a leaf, a glass of water, yes. a fish. How it all fits. Yeah. And you, everything changes on you. And then you think, oh, crap, what, what bad stuff have I done? Um, and, I, and I need to account. And I, I need to do a lot of things now. In a way, it's like, like going to AA, Right, the twelve-step program. The best way they, you know, they eventually have to abandon, of course, all their alcohol drinking, and in addition, they have to acknowledge the sins that they have done in the past. Right, and try to uh, atone for them. Yep. And and it's funny you say AA because it's it's an obvious one. What's the first step of AA? Admit there's a higher power. Right, something bigger than you. Absolutely. Right. Right. By the way, AA created by Christians. Yes. Thank you very much. Of course. All right. Uh, likewise, by the way, so many other great organizations like uh, Goodwill. But yeah. People don't know that. That There's so many great organizations that Christians created. The YMCA, which has the word Christian in yeah. it, of course, but most people most people don't even think about that. They just take it all for granted. You know, this yeah. this would come about normally, right. <laughs> never never realizing that the reason why they're here is because of a the Christian slash Judean sense. Christian association. And of course, the Red Cross. There's a cross there, you know. Well, and all the Saint the Saint Hospitals, right? Saint John's, which is here in Santa Monica. Uh, this this or that Presbyterian hospital, uh, Mount, you know Mount Sinai Hospital. Yeah, I was These, uh, joking. They say Saint Cedar Sinai. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Saint Cedar. Very cute. All right. With that, I will say this is Brock Lurie. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.